Mark chapter 16, beginning in verse 1. Would you stand as the scripture text is read, please? Now when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome brought spices that they might come and anoint him. Very early in the morning, on the first day of the week, they came to the tomb when the sun had risen. And they said among themselves, Who will roll away the stone from the door of the tomb for us? When they had looked up, they saw that the stone had been rolled away, for it was very large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man clothed in long white robe, sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. And he said to them, Do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who is crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you into Galilee. There you will see him as he said to you. Let's pray together, please. Father, we thank you for the greatest historical fact that's ever been recorded on paper. And that is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We thank you for the reality of that. We thank you for the living hope it provides for us. Jesus is alive and we can be alive. We ask that you would bless each person here. You know what we need better than we ourselves. Your word can do what I could never do. I turn this service completely over to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. As we look through the story of the resurrection and, of course, the crucifixion, all the events that took place, there are a lot of the aspects of this that we could talk about this morning. Several things we could focus on. I want to focus on one thing that the angel said to the women as they came to the tomb. He said this, Go tell the disciples and Peter that he is going before you into Galilee. He is risen. He is not here. Come look at the place. Now you be sure and go and tell the disciples, but make sure you tell Peter. I want to look at the fact that the angels wanted to be sure. God wanted to be sure that somebody told Peter that Jesus was alive. I want us to look at the last time we see Peter mentioned in the Gospel of Mark. Mark chapter 14, verse 66 It's not a pretty picture because it's all too familiar. Mark chapter 14, verse 66. Now as Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came. And when she saw Peter warming himself, she looked at him and said, You also were with Jesus of Nazareth. But he denied it, saying, I neither know nor understand what you are saying. And he went out on the porch, and a rooster crowed. The servant girl saw him again and began to say to those who stood by, This is one of them. But he denied it again. And a little later, those who stood by said to Peter again, Surely you're one of them, for you're a Galilean, and your speech shows it. And he began to curse and swear, I do not know this man of whom you speak. A second time the rooster crowed and Peter called to mind the word that Jesus had said to him, before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. And when he thought about it, he wept. How could he do such a thing? 
How could the man who stood and said, you are Jesus Christ, the son of the most high God, how could he crumble so easily? Well, his problem started a little earlier. And it would do well for us to review Peter's failure. And sometimes we see ourselves in his mistake. First of all, we continue to back up in reverse chronological event. How could he crumble? Well, the last time we see Peter, he slept when he should have been praying. Back up to verse 32 of John chapter 14. They came to a place which was named Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. And he took Peter, James, and John with him and began to be troubled and deeply distressed. And he said to them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even unto death. Stay here and watch. He went a little further and fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, this hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will. Then he came and find them sleeping. And he said to Peter, Simon, are you sleeping? Couldn't you watch one hour? Watch and pray lest you enter into temptation. The spirit is willing. The flesh is weak. And he went away again and prayed and spoke these words. And when he returned, he found them asleep again. Jesus took Peter, James, and John, the closest of his disciples, those in his inner circle, those he knew he could depend on with him in the garden. He left the others out there to keep watch. But he, he took these three and he says, stay here and watch and pray with me. And he says a little further from them, he went and he prayed. He was a stone's throw away from them, the Bible says. He needed their companionship. He needed their support. He needed them to pray with him. All of the gospel writers that mentioned this say he went away and prayed. And they say also that he prayed vehemently. It means he wept loudly. He wailed loudly. He was not praying to himself. These guys with, with, were within earshot. They could hear that Jesus was praying in agony. But that which was important to Jesus was not enough to keep him awake. That that broke Jesus' heart didn't concern them. And we realize he comes to them and he says, Simon, you're asleep too? The one that perhaps he could depend on, the one who said he could be depended on, could not even stay awake and pray while Jesus within earshot was praying in his heart that this cup would pass from him. Simon, couldn't you pray for one hour? And then he said, you watch and pray or you'll enter into temptation. Your spirit's willing, but your flesh is weak. Peter didn't pray. He slept. He didn't pray for strength. He slept. How could it happen that he could betray Jesus Christ and deny him three times? He slept when he should have been praying. Secondly, he bragged when he should have been listening. A little bit earlier, and you find this in Luke chapter 22. 
Jesus Christ was trying to warn Peter. In Luke chapter 22, verse 31. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed, Satan had asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith should not fall. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. But he said to him, Lord, I am ready to go with you both to prison and to death. Jesus said, Simon, Simon, why did he say his name twice? Because that's what it took to get his attention. We may read it, Simon, Simon. I believe it's saying, Simon, Simon. Satan has desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. The original language says it this way, that he may pick you to pieces. He wants to tear your life up. But I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you that your faith won't fail. Now, instead of saying, Lord, I appreciate your prayers for me, and I can use every prayer that I can get, which is pretty much where we all are. What does he say? He implies he doesn't need Jesus' prayer. He says, I, 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 I got this. I got this, Jesus. And I'm going to tell you, I'm ready to go with you even to death. I'm ready. The other two gospel writers in Mark chapter 14 and Matthew chapter 26 says that he looks around him. And he says, all these guys, even if all of them fall away, you can count on me. I'm your guy. I'm the one. I don't need your prayers, more or less. I'm ready to do this. And I got this. Let's go. See, he bragged when he should have been listening. And then we go back a little further. And Jesus reveals the cause of all of this. In Matthew chapter 16, verse 21. Matthew chapter 16, verse 21. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples how he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised the third day. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Be it far from you, Lord, this shall not happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of God. Of men. Jesus told them something that just shook Peter to the core. And out of his love for Jesus, he took him and said, you don't know what you're talking about. This is unthinkable. This will not happen to you. And he began to rebuke Jesus. Now, can you imagine the nerve, even though he was concerned? Can you imagine the nerve that the apostle Peter starts calling Jesus' hand on something that he said? <laughs> you're all wrong, Jesus. This isn't going to happen. You're all wrong. This can't happen this way. That takes a lot of nerve to tell Jesus that he's wrong in what he said. We do it all the time because we live like what Jesus said is wrong. 
and we go our own way with other things like, that's not really true. This is 2,000 years later. These words can't really apply to my life. You're all wrong, Jesus. And he rebuked Jesus Christ and said, this is not going to happen. And then Jesus said this, you are not mindful of the things of God. I think the King James said, you, you don't savor the things of God. The NIV said, you do not have in mind the things of God. The original Greek said this, Peter, your focus is on things of men and not on the things of God. Now that sounds a lot more familiar than us warming ourselves by the fire with Roman soldiers around and denying Jesus three times. He simply said, Peter, your big problem is you're focused on all the wrong things. And you're not focused on God's things. So because his focus was on self and not on Christ, he took it as an insult when Jesus would pray for him. He did not feel Jesus' broken heart. And he slept in the garden while Jesus prayed. He himself wouldn't pray. And he crumbled at the attention of a servant girl. And he denied Jesus three times. Back in the same passage of scripture in Matthew Jesus says, who do you say that I am? And he says, you are Jesus the Christ, the son of the living God. That's what he said then. Around the fire, he said, I don't even know that man. He didn't call him by name. The one who he called the son of God now becomes that man that you're speaking about. And he denied him three times. Crumbled and wilted. He said he would go to prison. He said he would go to death. He said, there's not a soldier big enough to make me deny you. The little servant girl asked him a simple question, and he withers. Why is that? His focus was not on God. His focus was on the flesh and on the things of man. It says in the passage of Scripture that we read, it says that Peter wept. Peter wept when he thought about these things. Now the word wept here is just for us less a neutral word. It means that he cried. We think about maybe he cried a little bit. It's not, that's not the word that was used. In the original language, it means that Peter experienced bitter, gut-wrenching, convulsing sobs. He had a complete and total emotional meltdown. And not just once. It says this, when he thought of these things. It didn't mean that he ran off and kind of forgot about it. And then he thought of it and said, oh man, I blew it that time. It meant he continually thought about these things. Now I want us to think in mind. He denies Jesus that night. Jesus looks at him as he is in the palace of the high priest. He's taken away the next day to be crucified. Peter's not there, but no doubt he hears about it. And all night, Friday night, he thinks about denying Jesus and weeps. All day Saturday, he continually, repeatedly thought about denying Jesus and weeps. Saturday night, when he thought about it, he wept. Sunday morning, Peter's heart still broken. He let him down. He let the others down. 
And every time he thought about it, he had a complete, total, convulsing, gut-wrenching sobs, a meltdown. So now you know, Sunday morning comes. Jesus knows what Peter feels. He blew it. He made a mistake. He did that thing he would never, ever do. He embarrassed himself. He embarrassed Jesus Christ. He did something he never, ever could go back and undo. And Jesus says, you make sure Peter knows I'm alive. You see, in Peter's heart, is, I'll never, ever be able to speak for him again because he thought he was dead. It's over. And my opportunity's gone. Sunday morning comes, and he says, you go tell Peter, regardless of how bad you failed, of how hard you fall, how low you've sunk, Jesus is alive, and there's forgiveness and restoration for you. You see, I love the fact that he said, you go tell the disciples and Peter. Because when he said, you go tell Peter that I'm alive, that's pretty much saying, you go tell Eric that I'm alive. And you insert your name in there because every single person in this building has done something and said something you wish a thousand times over you could do over. We've denied him. We've let him down. We've embarrassed him. We've disappointed him. And now we come to this and say, can I ever, ever pick up and go forward again and make something useful out of my life? And the word to that is, yes, he is not here he is risen. See the place where he lay. And by the way, go make sure Peter knows about all of this. We see Peter. We see ourselves. As we prepare for an invitation on him, I don't know what your mistakes may have been in the past, but you've got them, and we've got them. I don't know how bad you may have disappointed yourself, others, or Jesus Christ, but we've all done it. But regardless of how bad you're feeling right now, there is a remedy, and his name is Jesus Christ. And it is ready and available for us because Jesus is alive. We celebrate not only the historical fact of the resurrection, but we celebrate the fact that Jesus Christ is alive and up from the tomb to make sure your life can get on track and you can be used of him. Whatever your need might be, let's make it right on Easter Sunday as we stand in